0: Lord, when we come into meetings, uh, we come from different places, Lord. Mm. Some of us have been swamped with work, preoccupied with necessary things, dealing with problems, uh, going places, <laughs> so much. But Lord, thank you that we can gather together uh, we can minister to each other just by praying and talking and laughing and, and listening to the latest news. and Oh, Lord, but by, by every means, you minister to us, Lord, as your children. Lord, you, you gather us together. You put the solitary in families. You're good, Lord. You're really good. We praise you for um providing a way of escape when temptation comes we praise you lord for ministering to our hearts and to, today lord we gather together again they've been good times lord you've you've really blessed us beyond our expectations lord the fact that we can have been meeting together for so long lord <clears throat> We're like a church. Lord, we're not perhaps by definition, but Lord, we're, we're hungry. We want to receive, we want to give, Lord. Give us avenues for giving, for somehow helping each other in every way, Lord. Your spirit moving, praise you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Bernard, would you like to share? Mm-hmm. Preach? Teach?
1: Yes.
0: Minister?
1: All right. That's good. Let me say this to you all. Many of you do not do that. Day by day. What we have just done. We have just had maybe 15 minutes. Probably your Bibles, you weren't looking at them. Probably <clears throat> your minds may have drifted a little bit, wondered, but essentially you were quiet and you began to become attentive to the Lord, you, you began to become attentive. Uh,
2: probably the Lord's greatest problem with us Christians is that we're uh, too much living in our minds and they churn away and they're exceedingly busy. We want to be up and around and doing the Lord's business. And I spoke advisedly yesterday of the meeting, uh, t- today of the meeting that I was at yesterday. I have to say this to you that in many of the places to which I go, the Lord is not there, not really. There's a lot of activity there and there's a lot of people there and there's a lot of uh, sometimes preaching there. Uh, I, I went online to a funeral today, funeral
1: of a friend, and, and, uh, and uh, she passed away, not
2: very old. And uh, I went to listen online and it was very wonderful really just to hear the word. Um, the word that was given was about Job and some of the words that Job said. And uh, you know, when he was <clears throat> in the most terrible agony, when he'd lost everything and it was a really, really good word that the brother gave. And I know the brother very well. And uh, I could sense that it came out of his pain and his quietness of heart and his waiting
1: upon the Lord. And uh, I know that
2: Take it last night uh, that I alluded to earlier that there were these people gathered, uh, hallelujah. There were teenagers there, there were children there. Uh, there was one or two babies there. There were some older folk there. Uh, they hadn't yet succumbed to the teenagers going out to their own meeting and they hadn't yet succumbed to the Sunday school idea. They were all together. And uh, as I said, the brother who led, there was a humility about him. And as soon as he opened his mouth, uh, I recognized there was the tones there uh, of a man who loved God, and a man who was humble and a man who was simple and it came through and uh it's a wonderful thing I- i'll begin i want to i want to say something about the covenant of peace tonight and uh, about the covenant of rest you see sir, I mean, I know that there will be people in this uh, in this Zoom and uh, you're still carrying many wounds. And uh, uh, for all your faith in new heart doctrine and pure heart doctrine, uh, or perhaps you haven't even heard of that sort of doctrine, you know, I, even recently I've met a couple of men who would espouse that they've got new hearts. But I knew by their body language and behavior
1: they haven't got a new heart at all. Um, not at all. And, you know,
2: it's amazing how you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and he was talking about hardness. Hardness of heart. And because uh, some of you will know that in the Greek language, it's the word sclerosis. Uh, that's the word, sclerosis. You know, the hardening of the heart. And there's surely so much that has happened in our lives, in our childhood and all kinds of things that uh, have served to, to trouble the hearts of the young. And you remember how the Lord Jesus spoke very clearly about um, offending one of the little ones. Do you remember that? And you know, some of us have had fathers and they offended the little
1: one and they offended the little one. Some have had mothers.
2: I was sitting in the airport on, uh, <clears throat> in, um, on Thursday and I observed uh, a lady, a mother, and uh, I just observed by her attitude and dealing with her daughter, who was about 20 years old by this time, that that daughter had come under the sway of that mother in a most terrible way. And her personality was dwarfed. And I could just see that, by the domineering spirit of mother, who doubtless had been doing that from earliest days. And it's amazing. We dwell in the midst of a world where we're meeting people filled with pain and uh, sorrow and grief and how to change. How, you know, I'll just take you to a scripture that many of you know very, very well, but it's in Isaiah, and you could turn to it. It's, it's an important scripture. It's in the 57th chapter, and uh, it, this is what the Lord says in Isaiah
1: 57. And it says this, uh, prepare the
2: way. In, in the middle of verse 14, uh, prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of the people. Uh, if you want to begin the verse 14, Cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity. Just the few minutes of quiet that we had at the beginning, that Richard. Uh, encouraged us to do, uh, I'm immediately aware of the Holy One who inhabits eternity. Immediately aware of him. Uh, but the, here he is speaking, thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Holy. I dwell in the high and
1: holy place with him also. That is of a contrite
2: and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite one. It's a lovely verse. I don't know when it was in my life when that verse came like a sword into my heart because, you know, you so want God to dwell with you. And here he is. <laughs> it's, re- it's a remarkable contrast, isn't it? I'm the high and
1: the holy one. And I dwell with him, who
2: contrite, humble spirit, and i I dwell with him also. Did you notice that word also? You know, I, I always think of the angel coming to Mary, the handmaid of the Lord. I always think of her. Um, I think of Christ formed in her, you know, uh, in, in her womb, in his, you know, the, the seed of, of mystery, being formed in her womb uh, not without her consent though. Not without her consent. I think of her, why did the angel come to her? She was representative of all that a godly, holy Jewish woman should have been
1: submissive, humble, meek, <laughs> quiet of spirit, everything that
2: the Lord, and yet of course such women are strong in the right way. And she evidenced that kind of strength, didn't she? what she had to cope with, what she had to cope with, you know, nourishing that, that seed in her womb and so on. And I believe you want Christ to be formed in you, don't you?
1: And I do too. It won't happen without your consent. She consented.
2: Without your life of consent. Not a moment of consent. But a, the development of a habit of consent to God. I dwell with him also. I, I dwell with him also. Cast up, cast up. Uh, Prepare the way, take up the stumbling blocks. Out of the way, I, I want to dwell, I want to dwell, I want to dwell. Um, I think of Peter the Apostle. Um, I think of him. You know that he he was a man. You remember how in the 13th of John's gospel, he argued with Jesus twice. Just didn't like Jesus's methodologies, yet he was an apostle. You know, he didn't want Jesus to stoop down and wash his feet, so he had a little, tiff with jesus about it and then when he realized when the lord spoke to him very clearly about it he said okay all right all right not not my uh, not my feet only but everything you know and a little bit later he he sort of had another disagreement with jesus jesus was talking about going to calvary and uh, no one else being able to go yet. And Jesus said, oh, I'll go, I'll go. And so said they all. And uh, it's lovely, really, how the Lord so wonderfully works. You know, that's the end of the 13th of John. Just, just turn to it a minute, and let's just read it through. Just right at the end of the chapter, to see the blessed things the Lord is doing with you, by and me, uh, in our circumstances. The circumstances that, um, what was it, Robert Browning said, this present thou forsooth would fain arrest. Machinery just bent. Oh, it's it's lovely what uh, Browning, you know, he set thee in them, in this plastic circumstance, machinery just meant to give thy soul its bent, and set thee forth. Anyway, I can't remember it all. It's long ago since I thought of that poem. But right at the end of the thirteenth of John, you know. Whither goest thou, says Peter? Where are you going? Verse 36, Jesus answered him, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, "'Will you lay down your life for my sake?' "'Verily, verily, I say unto thee, "'The cock shall not crow.'" That tells you I'm reading an English Bible, an English, a Bible <laughs> published in England, you know, because an American Bible will say a rooster. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> So there you are. It shall, not crow, it shall cr- not crow till you denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. But at uh, uh, the fact that there's going to be a great collapse, Peter.
1: That, that, that you're going to go through a, a, a self-discovery.
2: That you're, you're going to have something of yourself exposed to you. And uh, it's going to be pretty devastating for you, Peter. Let not your heart be troubled. You see, take away the chapter 14 and just flow it on. Let not your heart be troubled. You You do believe in God. I know you do. Believe also in me. Believe in the way I'm going. Believe in what I'm doing. Believe in the way that I'm taking you and taking... Believe in what's happening to me. Believe that it's the only pathway for a
1: soul. I say to every one of you, Lower yet, lower, lower. You say, where do you get that from, Bernard? You know, Philippians 2,
2: where he went lower and lower. You know the classic theological term for it, don't you? Kenosis,
1: the divine kenosis, self emptying, self emptying kenosis, lower, lower. Yeah.
2: We live in a world, my brethren, you in the United States, you live in a world, me here in Europe where I now am, you know that you were bred in a life of get, get,
1: get, get, get. You know you've been born again into a kingdom, a kingdom that is give, 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 give. Give more. And you know I'm not referring to dollars and cents. Give, give, give. Not get. get. The transition from the one to the other is immense. It's not overnight. <laughs> Goes on. Till our dying day, the going lower, lower, and yet higher, higher, for he goes, who goes
2: lower, he is the one who goes higher. It's remarkable, isn't it? Let, let your heart be troubled. I know you believe in God. Believe also in me and in my Father's house are many, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So that where I am, there you may be also. And so often, you know, these words, Ah, oh, Lord Jesus, I want to be much
1: more where you are. And of course, He's not talking remotely about geography.
2: He's not. Re- he's not talking about heaven particularly. He's talking about the states and place where he lived. You know where Jesus lived while he was on earth. You know he lived in Nazareth. He lived in this place and that place and the other. But you know if you went into his inner man, he was living in the heart of his father in the father's love in the rest of god in the peace of god that's if if we if we could have gone into his inner man isn't that a tremendous thing that's where i go to prepare a place for you so that where i am right now there you may be, also that you can live in God. And of course, some of you will know that uh, in this chapter of 14, which is all about the Spirit's coming, and the Father coming, and the Lord Jesus coming into hearts, you know this this word mansions, in this version I've got, in my father's house are many mansions. It only occurs twice in the Bible. That's one occasion. And if you go down through the chapter into the 23rd verse, you'll find the same word. Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our mansion in him. Remarkable, isn't it? God having a home, having a home new. A man love me. If a man keep my words, if he love me. We will come and we'll make our abode in him. It's not, you know, the, it's amazing with the, the way the Lord speaks to us. It's a tremendous thing, tremendous thing. You know, if I if I go back into in, into the book of Exodus and, and I'll take you there now, and I'd like to take you into chapter 31, because you know, toward the end or the middle of the chapter of 31, you come to verse 12. And it comes after 11, that's pretty obvious, but in 11, he's talking about the anointing oil, he's talking about clothing, and um, beautiful clothing for Aaron in verse 10. He's talking about the, the life of the inner place. Only Aaron was allowed to go there the anointing oil, the sweet incense the, for the holy place. That's what he's talking about. And then in verse 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is as a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh it is the sabbath of rest holy to the lord whosoever doeth any work in the sabbath day he shall surely be put to death wherefore the children of israel shall keep the sabbath to observe the sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant Covenant of Sabbath. Covenant, a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the
1: Lord made. And on the seventh, he rested and was refreshed. Hallelujah.
2: Lovely, lovely words. If, if I take
1: you back into this verse, let's, let's look at it. <clears throat> Up there in verse 13. Did you notice before the word Sabbath,
2: did you notice a little word? It's the most important one in the
1: section. My, my, you verily, my Sabbaths shall you keep,
2: my Sabbath. O oh Lord, what what
1: is your Sabbath? What 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 was your Sabbath? Well, he explains it,
2: doesn't he? Down there in verse 17. He says, in six days, the Lord did it all, didn't he? The Lord's work was finished. And he rested and was refreshed in the seventh, He rested
1: in what he'd done. Oh, Lord. Oh Lord rest with me in what I've done
2: <laughs> because my mind has gone swinging over right over into a new creation not not the creation of the heaven and the earth now my mind's gone swinging right over into the Sabbath, the Sabbath of rest. God's rest, God's rest, God's rest. Has he finished his work? <laughs> his Sabbath. Uh, you know, you say, Bernard, what are you talking about? Well, some of you got some glimpse of it already, I'm sure. You know... We are so restless, you know. We wonder whether it's all finished. We wonder if Jesus actually meant it at Calvary. You know, it's
1: finished, it's finished. What's finished? <laughs> it's finished, was he lying? That cry that came out of him. What's finished? Oh, to rest with God in what he rests in. You know, what he rested in, what he trusted in, what he
2: believed in when he sent his son. You know, he believed his son could do it. He believed his son could finish the work. He believed his
1: son uh, could be simple, meek, humble, yielded, a
2: life of unending consent to the father's will. He believed that, he trusted, he rested. The father, God rested in his son. God was in rest. My son can do it. That every enemy, every devil, mm. every wound mm. in the heavenly society can be healed. He will do it. He will cleanse the heavens. He will cleanse and do away with the lordship of Satan over the souls of men. Oh, enter into my rest, my people. Is that a New Testament idea? It is, isn't it? Isn't there a verse? Isn't there a section of scripture in the book of Hebrews, isn't it, chapter 4, where he says, oh, enter my rest. Enter my rest. Hallelujah. You know, it's a remarkable thing. You know, he, he gives warnings here. He says it's a sign between you and me. And it makes you into a sign among other people. Did you realize that? Of course you did. You know that none of the nations round about had Sabbaths. That the Israelites themselves had not had Sabbaths. they worked uh, 24-7, 24-7, 24-7. They had no Sabbath in Egypt. No rest, no rest, no rest. The nations round about, no rest, no rest. This shall be a sign between us, that you're my people, that you're in my covenant. It shall be for you a perpetual covenant, that you will rest in my love. You will rest in my faithfulness to provide for you. You will rest. Glory to God. You know, when I read these things, you can see, he says, if you, if you don't enter into that rest, death will enter into you. Death will enter into you.
1: That's, he, he says it three times.
2: You know, it's a little bit like old Jacob. Do you remember Jacob when he had to face Esau and he came with his wives and he came with his children and he came with his cattle and he came with his goats and he, he met Esau, that brother of his, and he was afraid and he found that Esau didn't reject him, which was quite wonderful. But Esau said, let's, let's go on together. Let's go on together. And you know, do you know what Jacob said? He said, oh, no, 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 no. You, you go on at your pace. Uh, I'll come on slowly. Because if we should
1: drive the flock, uh, it'll die it'll die
2: a true pastor's word don't hurry uh, you know i think of this it's so applicable in many circles in the church people are driven they're driven to serve. They're driven to be a missionary. They're driven to do the other. They're driven by their own restlessness. Sometimes it mingled with, in some cases, a genuine call.
1: They're driven. And, uh, and death sets in. Death sets in.
2: Death sets in. You know... To enter into God's rest is to enter into his timing, his rhythms, that he has it all in hand. It's the rest of faith. It's the rest of faith. Come into my Sabbath. Come into my Sabbath. <laughs> Wonderful, really, isn't it? When you, when you look at this, you go in if you if you'd like to go into the new testament to have a look at the book of colossians and you will know this verse uh, at least uh, probably you will know it where you know paul is writing to a church to- that he's never been to, he must have heard some news about them, or was he writing just from that great understanding of the way the, the enemy kind of works in hearts? And, uh, you know, this is what he says. It's in the second chapter of Colossians. He's constantly in this chapter seeking to say to them look it's all in christ here's a little bible study for you just go through the book of colossians and with a little notebook by the side and just look
1: at the repetitive use of the word christ christ It's a lovely study. You know, the lovely study.
2: And you go on down and in the second chapter you, you find that he's saying it's all in Christ. It's all in Christ. Verse 3. You know, in whom are hid all the treasures. I wrote to someone today. Someone who's in a difficult uh, circumstance. Really an ongoing one. You know, some marriages are not as happy as you would think. You know. I'm thinking you know, of people to whom I've spoken and sometimes they come and talk and there's anger and there's disappointments in, in marriage and uh, it doesn't quite work. But they hold together and they try and do the Lord's work as well. But... <clears throat> You know, in, in the things that I, I was writing, I, I said
1: to them, where's Christ? Where's Christ? And um, my email
2: was a bit convoluted, perhaps it might take a
1: little bit of unraveling. Is he up there? Is he down there? Is he underneath? Is he outside? Where's Christ? You know, because you
2: you do know that all the treasures are hid in him of wisdom, everything, and knowledge. Can I put it this way? You do know that healing is not in
1: the new heart, not in a, a doctrine about getting a pure heart. You do know that, don't you? You do know that
2: purity is in Christ,
1: that new heart is in Christ, that the newness is in Christ. But where is he? Where's Christ? Where is he? Is he in the church? We go
2: to try and meet him. Is he up there? Is he down there? Am I right that Romans 10, Paul says, the word
1: is nigh thee. The word. Now, don't just think of that as
2: words like me saying words. Try and try and think of it as the word. You know,
1: the word Jesus is in your heart. Is in your heart. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit brought
2: him there. He brought him into my heart. He brought him into my inner man. You know, when I was about 21, I knew that he had come.
1: You know, he was in me. And isn't that a tremendous thing? Christ in you. Christ in you. Paul
2: is going to say, isn't he, in chapter three, if you go there, it says that Christ is your life, verse four. Christ is your life. You're risen with Christ. Is it right that Christ in you is the hope
1: of glory? Christ in you. You know, I- I'm so aware, my brethren, of, of
2: the psychological quest for healing. You know, therapy, therapy, therapy. You know the word therapy is in the Bible. It's translated healing, healing, healing. And of course, in the Old Testament, there is a famous word, Rapha, which is, I am the Lord
1: that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you.
2: Amen. I am. The healing's in me. It's in me. It's in my presence. I am dynamic. I am in you. The Holy Spirit
1: has brought me into you. He's in you. He's in you, he's in me, the Lord that heals, the Lord that
2: brings things up to the surface if we pay attention to him. If we are in the quietness with him, if we're attentive to him, if our minds slow down, if we reflect upon him if we if our hearts faces turn to him if we don't close down on him if we don't close down close down on him you see one of the things that happens as we draw near to him we do feel keenly our inadequacies. We feel things about ourselves. We become aware. It's an amazing thing how this happens. We begin to feel our weakness. We begin to feel our need. We begin to feel in some ways, our wretchedness in ourselves. And we don't want to feel that. We, we don't necessarily want to expose. You know, one of the things that happened last night, I came down out of the pulpit where they'd stuck me. And I said, I'm coming down, I'm coming down, and I'm going to ask that if anyone, if anyone wants to just open themselves up to be at the temple of the Holy Ghost that they come forward. Do you know one of the first ones that came forward was a little girl around about seven years old named Hadassah. I said to her, put my arms around her, what's your name? And she
1: said, Hadassah, Hadassah you know, and a little child just coming oh, to be a temple of the Holy
2: Ghost. Oh, that, you know, the simplicity of it. And the next people that came forward were an old couple, holding hands, wounded, wounds written across their faces want to be a temple of the holy ghost this is where it begins my brethren you see we we must we must we must not keep outside we must understand he who is the dynamic one, he who is the life giving one, he who is the resurrection and the life, he is within.
1: Draw near to him there. Draw near to him. Be still and know
2: that he is God. Be content in his presence. Come into your Sabbath, which is his Sabbath. Come into the covenant of resting in his precious person, his powerful work, his purifying work, his healing work, that he loves you, that he works from the innermost parts, that he does things that are deeper than than we can understand
1: i am the lord that heals thee, oh bernard i want to heal you can you hear
2: can you he, can you hear him say that to you the i don't know what it was I am conscious from years of private talks with people, even even elders and leaders I, and leaders' wives, and they come and they talk and they confess to things still carried in their deep hearts from their childhood
1: memories. Wounds, abuses still carry it, still carry it. Oh, uh, you know, and there they
2: are, and and they come and they they share them, and of course, through the years you you learn some experience and God reveals things. I'm not here to tell you stories, but I tell you that it's there and they believe in, in new heart and they believe in pure heart. I've had elders and elders wives come to me. Talk about it pastors when at last they feel free enough to expose themselves to someone they feel they can trust. And what do you do? Do you try to get them another born-again experience? No, 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 they're born again. Do you know I know ministers you know, I'm thinking of a conversation now that I had with a man maybe 10 years ago, and he's a well-known preacher. And, uh, well, I'd heard about him. I'd known him, and people had come to me saying that whenever they went to him about a personal problem they had, uh, he would say to them, well, really, your problem is you need to be born again, again.
1: You need to be born again, again. And that was, you know, you need to get
2: a new heart again. You need to do this again. And he talked like this, apparently, they told me. And I could well believe it. And then maybe seven years ago, he was in our home and uh, I had met him a year or two previous in another country and he was in agony, pain, physical pain that absolutely was tearing apart. And on top of that, one of his precious children, I won't say what she was into at the time. And he said to me, Bernard, I've been going through some great changes. He says, I've
1: been realizing things about myself and I've been having to go to God in a way I never have done before. I've been having to go to Christ. And you know, as I sat at table with him,
2: I put my hands on his and I said, that's the best thing
1: I've heard out of your mouth ever. That's it. When someone is entering into a deepened heart
2: relationship, with the Christ who loves them, the Christ who wants to heal them, the Christ who wants to bring them into the Sabbath of the covenant of love, where God has done it all, Christ has done it all, enter in. And isn't that right? You go into this Colossian letter, you go a little bit further down, and am I right in saying that in this chapter two, as he's saying, there's so many people who have gotten fixations on doctrines and things, doctrines and things and habits and rituals and this and that and the other. And instead of verse seven being rooted and built up in him. Do you know what I was doing before I came on the meeting? I, I've got to speak tomorrow and uh, well, it's today here. And you know, I was, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And I, I, I was just looking at a few of the questions of Jesus. You know, in John's gospel, very penetrating, these questions. The first question Jesus asks in John's gospel, what do you seek? <laughs> do you know the last question Jesus asks in John's gospel <laughs> that's
1: recorded? I'm sure you do. Do you love me? Do you love me? <laughs> do you love me? Three times.
2: Do you love me? Penetrating questions. They come home to my heart. Bernard, what do you seek? Another Zoom? <laughs> Another country? Another place? What do you seek?
1: <laughs> you know, Bernard, do you love me? Do you love me? What questions you see? And they,
2: they unsettle us. They unsettle us deeply. Do, do you love me more than these? What did Jesus point to? Did he point to the other disciples? Did he
1: gesticulate toward the fish? No, we weren't there. You know, isn't it amazing? Do you love
2: me? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And you go on, let no one spoil you, and let no one take these things. And look at this verse 16 let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things. To come, but the substance is Christ. Who's the real Sabbath? The real Sabbath's a person.
1: Where you're living in his finished work, Where you're living in him.
2: Oh Lord, you've done it all. you've done it all. He's you're living in him. Resting in him. He's the real rest. The Sabbath rest. The body, the substance is Christ. I know these are
1: very simple things to say. We must consent.
2: You know, one of the things that I have realized is that we
1: must consent all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. We must consent by, as I said
2: earlier, right at the beginning, we must consent by drawing aside with our phones in another room, away from our computers, and I mean this with all my heart, you are not going to get far with Christ if you do it all in front of your
1: screen, with your phone at your side, get them out,
2: get into a quiet place. If the only place you can go to is a glade, a, a tree somewhere, a place outside,
1: go there and be still and know that he's God. Don't pray, don't pray,
2: be still. Enter into the rest, I take you now, of course, into hebrews and you know the hebrews letter and in the fourth chapter and here he is he says it to us doesn't he and uh, he, we, we know what hebrews is all about don't we um hebrews is all about the opening couple of verses he God, who was speaking through prophets and this and that and the other visions, and I don't know what, hath, verse two, chapter one, spoken in these last days, in these last days,
1: in his son, in his son, the whole letters about the son.
2: He's much, he's much different to angels. Chapter One. Oh, he's much more than than Moses. Chapter Three. Oh, he's much more than Aaron. He's just like Melchizedek. You know, he's much more than the Old Testament system. He's the Covenant. He's the Covenant. He's the covenant. He's much greater, chapter 4, than Joshua. You know, Joshua just brought him into a place. A oh, place of milk and honey. Goodness me.
1: You know, Abraham wasn't interested in milk and honey. Hallelujah. <laughs> They weren't interested in milk and honey, comfy life.
2: He was after God. He, you get that in this letter, in chapter 11. We're told it very plainly, that they only pitched their tents there. They weren't interested in, in a bit of land at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. They wanted God. They wanted the city of God. They wanted to know him. Ah, listen to him speaking. Chapter 3. He's speaking every day. He's the living God. Hallelujah. And then in chapter 4 it says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. There's your word. His rest. Not rest. That peculiar, particular, precious, wonderful rest of God. Oh, Lord. I want to rest where you rest. Oh, in a strange way. Isn't it tremendous the way that in a picture, it's almost as though God the Father rested his head on the breast of his son? Do you know? John, John the Apostle, he rested his head. You know that the word is where he, in his breast... You know, it's that place right down there, right in the deep. You know, that part right in between. John rested there. Amen. Amen. I'm not surprised he was the one who was given the book of the Revelation to write. He rested there. You know, and things were revealed to him. And you know, let's let's the promise has been left us of entering
1: into his rest. Don't come short of it. You know, it's been it's been ministered to us through the word.
2: The word preached did not profit them. It wasn't mixed with faith, it says. But we which have believed, we do enter in to rest. So you can now tell from your own life how far on you are in your believing. For those that have believed, do enter into rest. I think I may freely say to you
1: that my believing is is happening, and how do you know,
2: Bernard? Be- because I'm more and more deeply entering into his rest. I, I believe that he is the Lord that is in me. I believe that he is the Lord that I have fellowship with by the Spirit. I believe that he is the Lord that is ceaselessly with me and in me. I believe that he is all the time healing me. I believe that. And I let him bring things up to the surface of my heart, things that years ago I would have pushed away. I would have said, I don't want to think about, I don't want to deal with that. I, I don't want to face that about myself. And now I'm just saying, here, here it is, Lord. Here it is, Lord. You know me. You know me through and through. Go on with me, Lord. I, I give him my consent day by day. Just work in me. In some ways, Hazel and I have had a reasonably easy life in this regard,
1: that in some ways our hands have always been like this. Never like this. Second choices. You know,
2: Lord, where you want us to go? Lord, what house you want us to have? Lord, you, you choose first, you choose, we'll, we'll respond. We have believed, we've rested that he, he leads, that he will supply. They were talking at meal this evening here in the house about uh, retirement age and so on and you know, they were asking us about, you know, whether we get pensions and things like that. Well, actually, tiny, tiny, because we never paid into the system, because we traveled so much and were living overseas and this, that, and the other. You know, but, ah, we can testify that we never, ever, have seriously
1: prayed about money ever. Never. Well, why? Something to do with resting, that he,
2: what was it, the Hudson Taylor, the lovely quote of Hudson Taylor, God's work God done in
1: God's way will never lack. God's supply. He loves you. You know, that mission that he founded,
2: those missionaries were never allowed to mention money, never allowed to mention their needs. Part of the mission way they rested. Hudson Taylor was resting in God. Resting that this season would end for him and this season would begin. That's what happened. He rests, he rests, he rests. Did you know, are you resting in the Lord? Do you, are you meeting with him day by day? Are you in the covenant of, of rest? Are you and I entering into his rest more and more? Oh, faithful is he who has begun a good work in you, who is faithful to complete it. Isn't that a word of rest? Are you resting there? Are you hearing him whispering to you, it's going to be all right? Just let me work my
1: personality in you. Did you realize that?
2: God will think he's failed if he hasn't brought forth the personality of his son in you it's not whether you're a missionary it's not whether you're going here there and everywhere it's whether his personality that's the whole purpose of god the whole purpose of god is that the person and don't just call the person of jesus the person of jesus means his personality his personality Hallelujah. I reckon we were on the right track when we were sort of 21, 22 years old and beginning to meet in those little house groups in North London. And you know, one of our favorite hymns, a hymn, would you believe, a hymn for 21-year-olds who played in bands and music and rock music and I played rhythm and blues and so we played Latin and all kinds of stuff and we were singing hymns, would you believe it? And one of the marvelous hymns was almost our favorite. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, precious Redeemer, pure as thou art, come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> I reckon we were on the right track. Amen. Amen. If that's what he wants. That's what we wanted. Hallelujah. Tremendous, isn't it? Tremendous. We who have believed do enter
1: into his rest. Ah, and you go on down.
2: <clears throat> In verse 6, Hebrews 4, it says, Seeing, therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein. They to whom it was first preached
1: entered not in because of unbelief. Today, here is voice. Today. Verse 9. Therefore,
2: there remaineth a rest for the people of God.
1: He that is entered into his rest, God's rest, has ceased from his own works, as God did from his.
2: One of the things I would say is that if anyone has questions about what I've been sharing, because uh, I just feel that it's um, such a wonderful subject. Yet also, it's a very frightening one. I realized that to, to allow the Lord in within to really do his work, you know, this, I used the word consent a number of times, didn't I? Consent. To give him our consent, you know, and... The loveliness of Mary, be it unto me according to Thy word. What a wonderful um, response that she gave, and uh, you know, because it's it's funny how things when you're preparing and thinking about um, what the Lord wants to say, uh, I actually had got my little few notes that I ever make um, out before me to speak on the covenant of priesthood. Um, but as soon as I began to talk about yesterday's meeting, my heart um, moved toward the thoughts of the covenant of rest that I'd already been thinking about for another time. And uh, when you're thinking about things, you remember things that happened to you. And I can remember being in a conference. It's a long while ago now. And uh, all the people that you know I knew were there, and preachers were there, and people were there. And I don't even remember knowing what the subject was that whoever it was preached i don't even remember that but an appeal was made and i was one of the speakers and but i just felt god speaking to me so much that it didn't matter and i just found myself almost the first one out um, in the midst of the crowd of the people who came out to just seeking the lord and that Memory came back to me quite vividly. I hadn't thought about it for, for years. But, you know, consent to, to yield utterly, no holds barred, you know. And it must have been something about my life the Lord was speaking to me about or revealing to me. And uh, I don't even remember that now, what it was about. But I just responded. Uh, when Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then I used the word consent.
1: You know, to rest in, it's been done, you know.
2: So that, that happened to the lady with the abortion. That you mentioned, all that happened is that she entered in to that which had been done long ago.
1: You know, enter in, keep my Sabbath, my rest. It's
2: been done. So any anything that becomes we have to face with. You know, it's been done. He's dealt with it all. It's it's forgiven. We're washed. And in that sense, there's nothing to be as afraid of if that consent is in our hearts. Our Lord, it, it's all been done. He's not going to, point a finger. He's not going to beat us with a verse of scripture. He's not going to do anything, you know. And this is what I'm trying to say about keep my Sabbaths, enter into my rest. And the result of that will be an end of anxiety about ourselves. And that's what happened to that lady. And of course, the emotional response
1: was part of that the emotional response. And uh, God
2: just uh, relieving her in her body. And her emotions. Sometimes that's required, and the man was right to let her just weep. And uh, but that—that's the thing. That's the thing. And I think that we go through cycles like this. If we're, you see, I have endeavoured to start a conversation when i know someone has a problem and i might see that in them and they backed away and they backed away for two years three years they got annoyed about it sometimes four years they backed away again and again and again and they're not giving consent. And then comes a time when, oh man, they give that full consent and they open up. And that's when the Lord, I am the Lord that heals you, brings us into what he's already done. He's already done it. You know. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it? So I've already done it,
0: you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Well, that's great. did Did you mess it? Did you mention, you know, Jesus saying that on the cross mm. uh, tonight, today? Yeah. Dead. yeah, it is finished. That was a revelation to me, that's for sure.
1: That's right. It's finished. Yeah, yeah. hallelujah.
2: It's, it's almost, isn't it, as though the Lord says to us, become what you are.
1: Yes. Become what you are. That's right. Yes. I've made you this.
2: I, I've made you a new creature. I've made you a free new creature in the image of my son. Become what you are. Mm-hmm. Sit with me in the heavenly places. That's where you are. Become the one who sits there in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Become there, you know. Become. Hallelujah! See, in, in you know how the Lord says, "I am." I am. You know, in a way, you see. We, we cannot really say I am, because we exist. God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. You know, the word exist means that you derive your life. We derive, exist, come out of. We came out of God. Adam and Eve came out of God. We exist. God doesn't exist. God is. I am. I am. And isn't it it's the essence of sin is I don't want to derive my life from God. I want to derive my life from myself. So as soon as you begin to live the little child begins to try and derive its life from itself and it takes all these abilities and gifts that the lord has given it and distorts them and christ was he was of god and, uh, uh, it's wonderful i am i am and uh so the best thing we can say is, I'm becoming what I am in Christ. So that's what I am, it's finished. I am a new creation, all things have passed away. You know, deriving my life from him deriving deriving receiving deriving drinking you know the, these all these language these words that paul uses he, he says you've all been made uh, to drink into one spirit mm-hmm. Amen. you know 1 corinthians 12 amen I guess that's why you don't wanna watch some of these movies anymore or they don't interest you much or you, you don't, you know, because you have really been reconstituted to drink into only one spirit, <laughs> which is his, you know, where you don't enter into rowing and arguing and bickering and you don't even want to, you know, squabble with anyone <laughs> or enter into judgment you know because you're, you're drinking into another spirit the Lord's spirit more and more we've been made for
1: that we've been made for that believe him oh
2: Peter you believe in God believe also in me that I'm working in you, Peter. It's all right. I prayed for you that your faith fail not. When you go through this hell you're going to go through, you know, believe in me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Wonderful.